coming to you from the lab where they talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Mike and Big Key, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's it going, everybody, and welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, Keith and I speak with a USPSA Grandmaster Shooter and learn how to improve our shooting through targeted practice. This episode is brought to you by Target Sports USA, the official ammo sponsor of The Gun Experiment. Be sure to check out their Prime membership, which gets you 8% off, free shipping on all ammo orders, and a whole lot more, all for $95 a year. I also remind everyone that we drop new episodes on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. And as always, I cannot get the show started without my co-host across the table. Big Keith is in the house. Keith, how are we doing? I am doing well. Are you uh, Are you doing the same? I am doing well. I'm. I like being in the chair. Yeah. Well, it's. Uh, we've we've been recording a little more regularly these days. Had to make some schedule changes, but it's always for the fun. Not not our guest tonight. This was a, a, a no uh, no reschedule on this one. But no. uh, yeah, we've had a few. A, a few oh man, a few <laughs> guests. Uh, um, the weather's getting nice. Yeah. You know, I'm getting I'm getting a shooting itch. We gonna we gonna go shoot some more soon. For sure. We. Uh, oh, I have a little present for you. Oh, you do. I do. You oh, ready? I'm ready for this. Right. Yeah, I'm excited. I love presents. Do I get to unwrap it? Is no. it got a bow? No, nah, I'm not that kind of guy. Oh, okay. I was gonna say. Well, I thought you. Oh, yes. Oh, that's exciting. Well, what? Why don't you uh, tell me what you just got? I just got from uh, our friends at Target Sports some 45 ammo, which I'm pretty excited about, and I guess it's appropriate. Yeah, I figured. So. I've been kind of, you know, keeping a secret on the show, and um, I think it's appropriate tonight, and hopefully our guest will appreciate it as well. Um, I uh, haven't told exactly what I have purchased, but I expected it to be here by now. Unfortunately, it's not, but I bought a Nighthawk. Woo! Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. So I'm pretty excited. Which Nighthawk did you buy? So I, I, I'm going to, let's wait until that comes in. Let's wait till the okay. specific one. Okay. I, the reason it's not here, I can, everybody who listens to the show already knows my permit came back in two weeks. I didn't think it would come back that fast. So because I thought it was going to take that long, I sent the gun back to Nighthawk for the uh, iOS system, the interchangeable opt- optic system. Very cool. And uh, so it hasn't come back yet, but uh, I'm pretty excited. And now that I have some ammo that I, well, I can shoot, I do have another 45, but. Yeah. I want to save it. I'm saving it for that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, this will be awesome. We're yeah. going to a USPSA match with this ammo. Cool. And we're so I just, in. a couple things here, um, and then we'll get right to the guest. But Target Sports USA, right? Yes. I, I just want to say, like, I, I just ordered some ammo, and it came super fast. And I know we already did the ad read, but this is more just, like, I really do believe in the company. Um, and they were very easy to work with. So, you know, we use the, we can use the Prime membership and and we recommend that to everybody because it is really a, a very good uh, way for people to save money like we do. Our disc, How's our Discord been going? Discord has been fun. Um, I, uh, I, I, you were funny today. You had put something on. I was a little salty about a comment that was on there. And uh, I, I realized I'm like, I'm in a social media group. You are. I mean, it's not you're Facebook. It. I'm liking it. It's okay. Uh, it's, it's our people. And yes. it's stuff that we all want to talk about. Exactly. And, uh, so the reason I bring up Discord is because I just created a discount thread on there. So when yes. I get discounts, when people offer me things or when things come across my desk, I put them on there. And we had uh, Peter Tillemon uh, from New York TAC Defense two episodes ago. Oh, yeah, two. And I am. we are not affiliated with them at all. I get nothing from this, but he has offered a discount to our listeners. So uh, he is offering his uh, plan for $35 a month or $370 a year if you want to pay up front for the first year. And that's with discount code, the gun experiment. So if you want to save a little money on that, if you're a New Yorker, it is the only plan you can. It's all you can get and you might as well get a few bucks off. Exactly. So anyway, just throwing that out there, like I said, it doesn't really do anything for us. We're not involved with them. We are both now members. I joined, you joined. So Yep. So uh, just passing along stuff to our listeners. All right. All right. Anyway, our guest tonight has been a grandmaster in USPSA since 2014 and an instructor since 2015. He aims to foster an atmosphere of fun and personal development, making a personal investment in the improvement of every student. Please welcome Tim Heron to the show. 
Hey guys, thanks for having me. Of thanks course. Thanks for coming on, Tim. So I want to know, are you excited about my purchase, Tim? I overheard uh, you talking about uh, a Nighthawk. Uh, yes. happens to be a, uh, a, a company that I am a, a representative and, uh, and shoot for. Oh, well, you can tell them you talked to somebody who just bought one. We've had them on the show, too. And uh, we've had Mick on. And uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. Do you, get so, to, do you get to see those guys very often? I do. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm in New Mexico and they're in Arkansas. So um, I, I get to talk with, uh, with Landon Stone yep. as well as, um, as Nelson Davis um, pretty often. And then I'm working with our, their R&D department um, with, with Dan Thomas and, um, oh, um, Adam, uh, I'm sorry, Alan Bryant, um, who's actually, we work in hand in hand, uh, as far as building a, a, a signature, a signature edition pistol that, uh, that I, that I shoot. Cool. So. That's very cool. Did you get a chance to do the full Arkansas experience? Cause they talked to us, invited us down and it sounds pretty cool. I want to go. Oh yeah. No, I've, I've hung out there at the, uh, at, at the facility there and met all the gunsmiths and that's cool. Got to hang out for a day, day and a half or so. Um, in fact, my, my second Nighthawk, I've got a, I've got kind of like numbers matching pairs, um, which are sequential serial number guns that I compete with, uh, in 45 that are, uh, Warhawk, uh, Nighthawk Warhawk recons. And the second gun, uh, Joey Lear built both of those for me. And, uh, the second gun, Joey kind of held off on completing it until I was able to come out to, uh, out to Nighthawk to their facility and actually got to kind of do uh, uh, to help Joey and learn about like my barrel fit. And I actually got to uh, kind of fit the barrel, do the trigger job on it and put That's everything cool. together with him and then uh, actually get to, to test fire. It's, it's a, uh, it's made in rounds and made in magazine. So very cool. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, if I understand this correctly, you switched to shooting USPSA after a long history in autocross racing. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey to Grandmaster? So, yeah. Um, I mean, I spent my, my primary sport um, that I competed in basically since, uh, since college uh, was like in 1997 is when I started doing SCCA solo to and autocross stuff. Um, and then I was a driving instructor with uh, with evolution performance driving school for a number of years, um, as well as kind of competed at the, at the upper echelon, you know, kind of top level of SCCA until about 2009 or so. And about 2009, I started to just kind of get really burnt out. Um, I was also kind of running a club in the Kansas city area. I'm originally from Kansas city, Missouri. Um, so I was helping run a club in Kansas city and, uh, you know, it, like just organizing events and ev- everything else. So I just, it, like it, all the volunteerism stuff yeah. kind of took away from being able to being able to autocross. Yeah. That grind so, has to get old after a while. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough it schedule. does. It does. So, um, yeah, kind of parked the car in the garage for a while. And, uh, I had gone through kind of some, some life changes that, uh, that had me kind of as a, as a newfound, um, single father of two kids. My, my oldest son at the time, um, at the time was 10 and my daughter was three, just turning four. And uh, kind of had to make some moves and things that had me considering um, a, a, a purchase of a pistol um, just for, you know, kind of home protection and, and self-protection and things. And uh, I'm not one to just, like, think that I know anything, you know. So, like, Smart buying man. a gun, a box of ammo, and just sticking it in a sock drawer was not something that uh, that I was considering. <clears throat> so, you know, I took some basic pistol classes and things like that, and then, you know... And, kind of went out and, and got my CCW. And then I like continued my education by, uh, by taking a bunch of like NRA classes and basic pistol classes, um, through different organizations and different instructors. And the bug and just bit you. It did. It did. So that all was kind of like February of 2010 when I, when I bought my first pistol and by July of the same year, I, you know, I, I was kind of, I was talking to one of the range officers at this indoor range that I used to go to all the time. And I was like, man, you know, it'd be really cool if there was like some sort of a competitive sport <laughs> where you could draw the gun from a holster and you could like reload on the clock and you had to shoot like an obstacle course of fire. And, and he was like, road. come with me, come he with me. And he was like, like, you know, face palm kind of deal. And he was like, oh my God, Tim. He says, are you talking about like Ipsic? And I was like, what? What? <laughs> what? And he's like, I, he goes, I think in the United States it's called USPSA or something. He goes, 
we've got a couple of guys that come in here to this indoor range that uh, that do USPSA. He goes, I'll have to introduce you to one of them and see if we can't, you know, like get you going down the right path there. Yeah. And so, like, I was very fortunate. Like, this guy who is a range officer there at the range was also, you know, like one of my primary pistol instructors. And, like, I kind of... I, I fell into really good training and had really good mentorship, like from the beginning. That always helps, right? That's that's a good, that always gets you on the right track. So similarly to your journey, you know, Mike and I have have started to dabble in USPSA a little bit. Um, he's helped me out with divisions uh, really well. He's he's kind of sent a couple things my way that 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 speak Keith, and uh, but I'm really struggling with the scoring can it seems like super complicated <laughs> can can you help simplify it a bit yeah we you can know. definitely discuss i, I mean so, listen i i know hitting all alphas is not a good strategy <laughs> so right there's a there's a balance there right i mean and so in uspsa it is it is points right so the total number of points that you shoot on a stage divided by the number, you know, the number of seconds or the total time that it took you to shoot the stage or to complete the course of fire. Okay. So there is a, like a definite balance between speed and accuracy. Whereas like in IDPA, everything is all balanced on the, on the side of, you know, of accuracy. So much it's worth giving up speed to be accurate. Is that called the hit factor? Is that what they call that? Correct. So hit factor scoring is right. So it's, I mean, think about it in the most simple terms. It's points divided by time gives you your hit factor. So what your hit factor is, is basically your points per second. How many points per second were you able to collect? And the person that collects the highest points per second on that stage is the winner. And what's what's an average hit factor? It depends. It's going to be completely dependent on the stage. No, I mean, like, I mean, like a bunch of USPSA guys talking over a beer you know, where I know there's different divisions like CBA, obviously Grandmaster. Um, but like, what's an average, like, a, 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 what's a, a decent, what's a decent amateur like us? Like, wh- like, I don't even, I, I know I don't finish very well when I look at myself compared to the competition. So let me, let me ask it a different way. Let me shot. ask it a different yeah, way. So, that. Tim, um, someone goes to their very first match and, mm-hmm. and doesn't break the 180 line and get kicked out <laughs> like I did. Um, <laughs> that's a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. But, you you complete your first match and you look at your hit factor. What would be a number that you'd go, okay, like that's that's pretty good for your first time. Like what would be a good hit factor? Like I said, I mean, honestly, guys, there's there's no there's no right or wrong answer there. Okay. Um because like I said, it's it's going to be completely relative to the course of fire that you and, and that's shoot, because right? the stages could be so different from varying to varying exactly like okay. a, a that really, makes sense. really quick stage that might have like say you know uh, let, let's say the stage is worth like a hundred points and you can shoot that hundred points in in 10 seconds right so that's a hundred divided by 10 as a 10 hit factor so that's a very high hit factor stage mm. whereas you might have another stage that might have you running you know, like running through a, a course of fire that might take you 25 or 30 seconds to complete. And the stage might only be worth, say, uh, 100 points. You know, let's, let's say that same stage, but it has a lot more movement, right? Yeah. So if it's got a lot of movement or it's got a lot of very, very difficult shots that are going to make you have to really slow down yeah. to, you know, to be able to shoot accurately, you would take that, say, let's say you got the the maximum amount of points, which were 100 points. And you divided that by that. Let's say it took you 30 seconds to shoot that course of fire. That hit factor is only going to be like a 3.3 hit factor, mm. right? It, so, it's I mean, starting it, to click it, now that you said it. The, the the fact that there's a different stage every single time, like, you know, yes. it, it, right. you know. It's so like a local match is made up of like four or five stages. Yeah, ours right? were five. Right. It was a level one match, the ones that we go to. You know, we're right. just, we're so, just um, really yeah, sad. Typical level ones are considered like club matches or local matches, right? Yeah. So those typical club matches have like four or five stages and in those four or five stages. So your hit factor is like however many points per second you were able to attain. And then you end up shooting like a percentage and that's how you get your, that's how you like kind of figure out like kind of where you are classified as a shooter. Right. So your percentage is of, of like all of your tallied up hit factors per each stage you, you basically is like your hit factor divided by whatever the highest hit factor on that stage was, then gives you a percentage. 
right? And your percentage, like, let's say you shot 50% of me. Like, so if we, if you and I were shooting on the same squad, shooting the same guns and you finished at about 50% of my level, that would put you kind of squarely as like a C class, C class shooter. Okay. Okay. So listen, I'm listening to you talk and I'm like, obviously, you know, this inside and out, right? And you can obviously shoot because of your credentials, but Mm -hmm. Some people can shoot, but that doesn't mean that they can teach others to do the same thing, right? So what made you take on the arduous task of helping others shoot better? Because that's a whole, that's a whole nother ball of wax, right? Yeah. I mean, I I love to teach. And so like, it it wasn't one of those things where like, I just like, well, I'm, I'm a pretty good shooter now and I think I've got the chops to teach. So let me go ahead and just try this. Um, You know, like I said, I had been teaching high performance driving for I don't know, probably about eight to nine years prior. Right. So like I had learned kind of like my teaching chops, like how to communicate with people, you know, especially like communicate with other adults, you know, kind of sitting in the passenger seat of race cars every weekend, um, you know, teaching people how to go, how to drive faster. So a lot of the, a lot of things, you know, just like the physicalities and a lot of the mental aspects of how to go fast are interchangeable, whether it's how to go fast with a pistol, how to go fast behind the wheel of a car, you know, any of those things. So there's a lot of, there's a, there's a a definitive relationship between that. So when I, you know, when I kind of achieved the the level of grandmaster, it wasn't like, I was just like, well, I'm a grandmaster now, let me go teach people. But what it was for me was about like, oh my God, like I've just had like all of these different like epiphanies along the way and like helping even local shooters, like at, at, you know, level one matches that I would, that I would, you know, compete at would ask me questions. And they're like, you're always willing to like, I'll tell you what, like USPSA is like super, super, like it's, it's very like family oriented. Right. So, I mean, nobody wants to see somebody not succeed. I don't care if they're your direct competition. Like we all, like everybody wants to help everybody else out. So that kind of that helping lead or guide people, you know, to like, to like to seeing the light, you know, so to speak, or having those moments tim i I definitely will agree with you for the most part i've I've been to oh three matches now i've I've done it three times and and out of the three times most of the people that i've interacted with have been very friendly and i've even seen them at different i've gone to two different clubs three times and Mm -hmm. i've seen them from at both clubs that i've gone to but i did have an experience that was like a little uncomfortable very my very first interaction when i when i got there and then my second shot my second uh, class as well or or competition as well uh, i had a little bit of an uncomfortable um situation with the first one was you know, I'm a concealed carry holder, permit holder in New York State. I didn't think anything mm-hmm. of it. I I go to my club to shoot with concealed carrying, and I went to sign to check in, and somebody asked me if I was, uh, you know, recognized that I was a new shooter. Asked if I was a new shooter. I said yes, and then asked me if I was, you know, concealed carrying. I, I didn't lie. I said yes, and it was a humongous production. And yeah, well, that, yeah. Unfortunately, there are some, <laughs> yeah, there are a couple of, you know, of, you know, like, I don't want to say rules Nazis, but like bad eggs, you know, mm-hmm. out there that, that, that kind of want to be, you know, like to dictate or be a dictator when it comes to everything. And if you don't know the rules when you get there, if I wasn't with people, if I wasn't with people that I knew, I, I probably would have just packed it in if I was by myself, but you right. know, uh, I will, I, I don't, and I don't want to derail the fact that you are in my experience, even through the three, there was, this was like two individuals. What I would also say, Tim, to, to, uh, back up your point is it's like, it's like your children, right? So the other day I'll give a really quick, quick thing. I took my son to play flag football. First time ever. We did soccer before he hated soccer. And Mm. I watched him and I was looking at him and he didn't do phenomenal, but I'm watching him learn and I'm going, Oh man, like, this is so cool to just watch him grow and progress, right? So when you're a teacher, it's a lot like, even though they're not your child, it's kind of like that they're your student. There's a very important relationship there. So there's that moment where you're like, man, like I took this person from here and now they're there and there's a pride, sense of pride there. So I think it's- absolutely. You know, and their their success is my success, right? Yeah, just that, that's, that's the, that to me, that's the most rewarding experience ever, you know, as a, as a teacher and educator is 
or when somebody else like really is able to take the reins on something and just and go and do it, you know, they, like they understand. And you know, like I said, like those, those aha moments are like really cool. And so like teaching kind of started as just kind of a part-time endeavor, you know, like something I did, you know, like on the weekends when I was, when I was shooting matches and, and things like that. And then I started teaching kind of part-time um, and I found it just very, very rewarding. And then part-time kind of turned into more part-time turned into almost full-time turned into now my full-time job and profession, you know, as an employee <laughs> in employment was kind of up against a wall, you know, to how much time that I was taking, you know, and, and traveling all over the country and, and like teaching classes all over. And, and so finally, you know, it was like really rewarding to finally get to kind of like take the leap and, and, and go from, you know, like being employed and doing that kind of on a part-time to now teaching full-time, you know, at the national level all over the country every weekend as my, as my sole source of, uh, you know, of, of income and, uh, and making a living for me and my kids. And it's, it's been really cool. So congratulations for breaking the code on code on that. Yeah. I, I know, Thank you. I know Thank Mike you. and I would be happy to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're, you're, you, I think you talked, you started to talk a little bit uh, about this as we were, one of the first questions we, we had asked you today, but you know, your bio on federal talked about you starting to shoot handguns in 2010 with self-defense in mind. Can, can you give us a little more detail on, on what prompted that motivation, that self-defense motivation? Well, and like I said, I mean, I, I, I'd gone through some, some sort of kind of financial trying times um, and, and kind of went through a kind of a bad divorce and had, like I said, had some life, life changes there that, uh, that had us, you know, me and the kids, like, like I said, I became a full-time father or two, you know, by myself and everything was, you know, kind of relying on me. Um, and, you know, like I said, had to kind of leave our old house and, you know, move to a, a not so great part of town. Um, you know, just had to kind of just get back on our feet, things like that, you know? And, uh, so like I said, it was one of those things that had Got me it. considering like, man, you know, like, the neighbor just down the street at, at this in these townhouses that we had kind of moved into at the time had had like their car broken into three or four times and it had like two different home invasions like within wow. that neighborhood and i was like you know that's crazy this, yeah, this isn't something i'd really considered before and you know now i really need to consider like the safety of me and the kids and and stuff like that which is which is what kind of prompted me to to go the direction of you know a handgun for defense and then a handgun for defense kind of turned into, oh my God, like you being a shooting, grandmaster. <laughs> shooting is so much fun, you know, and it's, it's very, it, it was a great relief, like a release from like the day to day of work and everything else. Like to go on a Saturday morning and go to the range and just shoot, you know, 200, 200, 200, 250 rounds, you know, and just, and like learn the process of, you know, sight alignment and managing the trigger all the way through, you know, and just in like, and hitting what you're aiming at every single time. You know, I just like, it's a very Zen type of process. I would agree with that. I know when I go shooting, when I'm not rushed for time, I agree. Like I go, I take my time. Sometimes I go and I just, I just go and I just like, you know, just relax, you know, just take my Mm -hmm. time. 22 does that for me a lot. Just like me too. I I love shooting 22 competition. Do your kids shoot him? Um, my son, uh, used to shoot with me quite a bit when he was, when he was younger. And then once he kind of turned to driving age and things like that, man, he's got way more <laughs> for him. It was just like, man, I'd rather hang out with my buddies and play video games. And he might come back know, to it though. And yeah, drive in. There's girls and you know, all of that stuff. My daughter will go to the range. She loves to shoot with me, but um, she's just not one really like, she's like, man, the competition thing is your thing, dad. And that's totally cool. But they both been like my ultimate cheerleaders, you know, throughout my entire, throughout my entire career, which has been really, really cool. Did you grow up around guns or, or just, I did not No. Uh, so I mean, I wouldn't say I was from like an anti-gun family or anything like that. You just didn't have them. We just, yeah. I mean, my dad, uh, my dad was a, a Vietnam veteran and, uh, you know, he came home from Vietnam, you know, back in like 72, 73. I think he was just one of those things. He was like, you know, I just, I'm done with guns. You yeah. know, I, I don't have any desire with them. I don't need to hunt for, you know, things. I just like, he just wasn't that interested in it. Okay. So, but I mean, I, I was like growing up, you know, I had, I had toy guns and, and played army as a kid and things like that. You know, I mean like had BB guns and stuff, but I never like was never really around firearms a lot, 
you know, as a, as a child growing up. So I find that interesting because you weren't really around them. And then you, you know, you tell the story of how you got into them. And now, now how does it feel to turn your hobby into your profession? Like that's gotta be, first off, it's gotta be cool. But I do know a lot of people in the industry say that like the, the more you get into the industry, well, in your case, not the less you shoot, but you know, it becomes an actual job, yeah, right? Job. So, so here's, <laughs> right. A, here's, here's the question. What are the, I don't care about the, the job part because everybody has their Everybody's frustrations, <laughs> but what are the best parts of being a professional shooter? That's what I want to well, know. I mean, and then that honestly, I love, I love to teach, right? So like being on the range and, and, and teaching, you know, a brand new class of shooters every single weekend is like I said, it's, it's rewarding. It's, it's super gratifying. Um, at the same time, I love to compete. So, um, you know, kind of becoming a professional shooter in the competition realm is what has then allowed me to turn this into my profession as, as an educator. Right. But kind of knowing where that fine line is between the two. So uh, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes, you know, sometimes like the travel can be a grind. Sure. Uh, I'm always excited to get to where I'm going to teach that class. Right. And, and, and meet new people, make new friends, um, you know, and, and have a whole, you know, a, a whole nother group of alumni, right. That are, 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 you know, learning from me and want to come back and take other classes from me and stuff too. But like learning where that cutoff is, right. Like knowing, okay, I'm teaching, that's my profession, but then also knowing when to kind of like flip the switch to, okay, now I'm competing and it's all like, it's more for my benefit, not for the benefit of everybody else. And so like, there's like, I, I have to be able to kind of really draw that line there to where like, I still love to compete too. So traveling to go to shoot big major matches all over the country is what keeps it very fun and interesting. And the fact that I'm also still like, I'm still learning, you know, like I'm still a student of, of this art as well. You know, it's, it's not like, Hey, I'm a grandmaster. I know all there is to know. I mean, there's a lot of things like, I mean, I go out to the range. In fact, I was in the, out to the range today, you know, in my backyard, like shooting for about two and a half to three hours today, just working on some new stuff. You know, sometimes it's working on things that are going to become part of like, you know, class curriculum material. Other times it's just working on things to improve my own performance, you know, and that, that I, I still am, I'm still super interested in this and that I think being able to hold that balance between the two is important. Have you ever been DQ'd from a match? I have. Me too. (laughs) So my, 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 my quick, you know, story was like the, the, the one, um, the one course of fire we did was, um, I was trying to figure out where I was going to dump my mag you know, and I was so focused on like, here's where I need to do this. Here's where I, need to, I don't forget this target that I, I didn't, I guess I didn't fully understand the 180 rule. I didn't realize that it was parallel to the berm. I thought it was parallel to like where you started, I guess. And right. anyway, long story short, I just went the way it was set up. I went beyond the target too much. Like two mm-hmm. steps too two far. Two steps too far and you, turn backwards. Tim, you know how some of those, those stages are, are traps for that, this rule. Right. This was a trap. Yeah. Actually, the guy that followed right behind me got DQ'd as well for the exact yeah. the exact same spot, yeah. and uh, it was it was I, tough. That's, that's a that's a bad stage design. Is that's what that a, is. someone else did the same exact thing. It was really he hard. was not unsafe in any way, shape, or form. There was never any sure. danger of any of that. You know. Yeah. But it was frustrating. I have to say, it was sure. very frustrating. I do want to say before I know Keith, you have uh, another question here, but yeah. before we get to that, I have to say that just the title Grandmaster. I mean, that is as close to you get to being Yoda as there is. I mean, that's I cool so. as shit. The, the, I, the only other Grandmaster I, I met was like walking in a walker. So <laughs> you, sound, you sound pretty stri- sprightly for one. <laughs> well, I, just, I turned 45 this year. So. Oh, we're similar in age. Yeah. 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 Do you, do you uh, when was the last time you raced? Oh my God. The last time I've been behind the wheel of a car in competition and not including like you know, going to the indoor go-kart track. Correct. And, like, no, and real, a real race there. track. But, but as far as like true racing, I think it was probably 2000, 2012 or 2013. Wow. I, okay. I'd taken a friend that kind of wanted to get, he was interested in autocross and I was like, well, I'll come out and introduce you to the, you know, to the group of guys and everything and, 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 you know, kind of get you, get you rolling. And, uh, you know, a friend that I had, I've competed at the national level many times with before was like, Hey, 
why don't you drive my car today? And I was like, well, I'll, don't mind if I do. And, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, awesome experience, but like, like I said, my my pursuit of another passion, you know, Tip was over. was already, you know, already kind of set in place. So, you know, the, the racing thing was like it was fun, but yeah, I'm just I'm kind of over it. It so. looks like you've had a you know raced a pretty wide variety of cars. What were some of your favorites? I did. Um, some of my like my absolute favorite, honestly, was uh, my my very final car that I. I built kind of from the ground up and it was a 1991 Honda CRX, yep. um, you know, just a little front wheel drive, you know, two seat little sports coupe that, uh, that I had set up for uh, a, a division called street touring. So you were allowed all sorts of different, you know, suspension modifications and some engine modifications and things. But the, the, the premise of the, of that class was that you had to run on like 140 treadwear, like actual street tires. Oh, so you couldn't run like race compound tires. Yeah. So, I mean, it was really cool to have a car that made like a whopping 120 horsepower, hmm. but like you could beat up on Corvettes and, and other really cool, you know, super fast cars, you know, just because the car handled so well, it yeah. was so nimble. The only, so, the, the, the only real racing experience that I've had on a, on a, on a road course like that is in Lime Rock. I, uh, which is not too far from New York where we live. If you've, I don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever raced there. I, I was invited to an AMG driving Academy sign, kind of similar to what you did with the Evo driving school. Yeah. And, uh, it was a blast. It was so much fun to drive every make and model that AMG made. And oh, yeah. you got a couple laps with a professional driver. They were doing like a buck 60 in the straightaway. I, I, I couldn't. What did the it. instructor tell you? <laughs> well, so I, I, I'm not bragging. I, I had the second fastest time out of like 44 guys in the, uh, in the SLS. And the, we got out and the way they were running it, Tim was they had a, a, a a t- uh, um, an instructor in front, three cars in the back, and they had all mm-hmm. the cars hooked up to radios and they were kind of like helping you find the apex and stuff like that. Well, there was right. a couple times where I was coming up on the instructor and I was like, man, I think I could pass him. And I, I was, I, I, I chose, you know, I chose better and didn't do it. We got out of the car and he was like, and he comes out, he's like, who was driving 26? And I was like, that was me. He's like, you were driving fast. He goes, you lose a hundred pounds, you'd probably be the fastest guy out here. The reason I brought that up is because you've lost a hundred pounds. You, you I've lost 135 pounds. You should go, I, I man. Should go call him up and be like, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Tim, uh, lately I've been poking around. So I, I had really no, not a lot of interest in USPSA and Keith dragged me out to one. And I was like, it's kind of cool. You know, it's like, it, it's, it's, it's different, you know, and I kind of enjoyed it, just, it. I wish you had the experience that I recently had. Yeah. Because yeah. that was a lot better. Yeah. And uh, so then I went down the rabbit hole a little bit and I started, uh, Steel Challenge caught my attention. And I know you've done that. So I've never actually uh, shot a match of Steel Challenge, but how does it compare to USPSA? And, you know, uh, you know, can you tell us some of the things that maybe you like or dislike about shooting it? So, so Steel Challenge is fun, um, but in a different way, right? So Steel Challenge, there's no movement. In Steel Challenge, everything is like you're standing in a kind of a shooter's box. Everything is done basically static. There is one course of fire where you actually go, like you take two steps from one box to another box to shoot some long, some long range steel. But like, there's no targets to have to repaste or retape, you know, or anything like that. And it's very repetitive in nature. So, like with Steel Challenge, you've got there's a primary eight courses of fire that uh that are kind of shot nationally all over the country so every club that does that does steel challenge should be setting up their steel challenge with these you know either you know if they've got enough equipment to be able to set up all eight you know on a on a particular saturday or sunday most clubs are like okay we're going to set up these four this weekend and the next match you know we'll set up these other four and then they kind of flip-flop back and forth between them um so with steel challenge right you get you get five attempts at each course of fire. And then they take your best four attempts and add them together and they throw out your worst, which, you know, which is whatever your fifth attempt is. Okay. So you get to take your best four out of five for each course of fire. So it's a great way to get a lot of repetition in, you know, cause you're going to draw, um, you have to draw from like a surrender position. So like your wrists are above your shoulder, like hands are above shoulders, you know, and then you, you reach down, draw, fire the gun and you've got to hit five pieces of steel in, um, you know, 
in kind of a non-specific order, but then you always have to bring the gun to a particular stop plate, and that's like your final piece of steel that you shoot for okay. every course of fire. What I like about it is, so USPSA, one of the issues I have with it, but I'm starting to wrap my head around it in a different way, is mm-hmm. they're trying to toe the line between like, yeah, it's kind of tactical, but it's kind of a game. And like, I'm like, when I shoot tactical, I want to like put in good mes- muscle memory habits. But like as guys that we shot with friends of ours were saying like, it's a game. You have to just take it as a game. I'm like, but but it's not because you're making me do these tactical things that aren't a game. So it's like towing the line. What I like about Steel Challenge is like, it's a game. Like there's, there's nothing about it other than it is a straight up. It's like playing pinball. Everything, I, I will have to disagree with you. Really? USPSA, USPSA is indeed nothing but a game, right? Now, granted, USPSA back in 1976 when it was first invented, um, and it was re- invented as a test. It was, it was a friendly competition to test the merit of skills and concepts from both um, like military as well as the best, like the mil- best military organizations and the best police and tactical trainers across the world. That's what International Practical Shooting Confederation or IPSC originated from. So it does, I mean, we are deeply rooted as a kind of as a test of, um, of like gun, you know, of gun craft basically. Yes. Mm-hmm. So as, as everything started to progress, it became a lot more obviously about, you know, it kind of turned more into a game. Um, now, you know, I mean, as far as like USPSA, there really isn't anything within the sport that I would say that is overly tactical or is meant to mimic any particular tactics. Oh, no, I would agree so, with that. We agree yeah, on that. Yeah, That's my yeah. point is um, when we Keith and I first started doing the show, we had brought up questions like this and said, is it good for someone? Like, does it assist you in your tactical nature and i don't think that it does i think you have to just treat it like a game no i don't think it helps you i there, disagree but it with does, that yeah i, I, I disagree I'm with, him with on that this. i think it yeah. does i think it does a great job doing exactly what it's supposed to do those that think that uspsa is supposed to in, improve their tactical ability are missing the point of what uspsa can actually help you do what uspsa like going and shooting a level one like a local match on a saturday or a sunday does is it allows you to pressure test your particular gun handling and shooting skills on the clock. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it, it's not made to be training, right? And it's, and people are like, well, I get my training when I go to and shoot a USPSA match. I'm like, no, I argue you're not training anything. What you're doing is you're testing, like you're, you're basically, you're taking the quiz on all of the homework that you've yeah, done t- going to the range and, and practicing and training there. You're testing the test all the training you've going had to the match and getting one opportunity per stage to be able to, to you know, to, to execute your best, your best problem solving skills as yeah. well as your best gun handling and shooting skills. Yeah, That's w- what it is. I would agree with that. And then one other comparison to Steel Challenge I wanted to talk about with you and, and Mike together was it's a lot slower than USPSA, right? Like like the time in between shooters? Um, with Steel Challenge? Uh, I mean, uh, not uh, yes and no, I guess. I mean, um, typically you're shooting on a squad of like eight to 10, you know, eight to 10 shooters on one particular course of fire. But those courses of fire go by really, really quick, right? Okay. So. It's, it's like basically you shoot your five pieces of steel, you reload the gun and get ready for string two, and you shoot all five strings, you know, like in succession. Just like and then you're done. Yeah. And then as soon as you're done, you paint up the steel, you know, in between shooters and the next shooter comes up and he does the same thing. So, okay. I mean, per stage, each like the reset time is much faster than it is in like a regular USPSA match. And like the turnover time or turnaround time between shooters is, I believe, a lot quicker in steel challenge than it is. Yeah. But you, I guess I, I understand it. So that, because the steel is like always set up, right. But you're right. paced in targets for the other guy, you know, the other guys when you're not up and I guess sure. it's just like a little more movement. Maybe it feels faster. Yeah. Right. So Tim, where can people find you online if they're looking to take a class or just to follow your social media and stuff like that? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm on all, I, I'm just about on every, every form of social media. So I've got, uh, I've got my my regular Facebook page, which is just you know Tim Heron, um, and then uh, I've got my kind of my my professional page on uh, Facebook, which is Tim Heron Shooting. 
Um, I'm also on YouTube as, you know, under Tim Heron shooting, I've got a YouTube channel with like, I don't know, 60 to 70 uh, plus, um, you know, videos. And those videos are everything from, I, I've, I've got a ton of like how to stuff. So a lot of, a lot of pistol instruction, a lot of, you know, uh, as, uh, as a couple of friends of mine would say, like a lot of free milk out there for people to be able to consume and, and learn from. I've also got some, you know, some match videos and things that I post up on my YouTube channel. I'm also on Instagram under Tim Heron shooting as well. And then my website, which is the best way to, to kind of look up my, my schedule and find out where I'm going to be and be able to look at my list of classes and what I offer is, is just under Tim Heron shooting.com. Very cool. Well, we have all that in the show notes so people have no problem finding you. Yeah, and it's, it's not Tim Heron, the golfer. Yeah, no, there is a golfer named Tim Heron. Yeah, so I'm significantly of smaller stature than Tim Heron, the golfer, and unfortunately not as financially set as Tim Heron, the golfer. Okay. All right. Well, listen, we play a game on this show called Run and Gun, where we ask you ten rapid fire questions and see what the first answer that comes to your mind is. I want to see if you run this as quick as you do a USPSA course. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Number one, what is your favorite gun in your personal collection? Uh, my, my Nighthawk 1911 and 9mm. What signature. gun would you buy if money was no object? What would I buy if money was no object? What gun? What gun? Oh, my gosh. Uh, if money was no object? Hell, I don't know. I, I Probably another Nighthawk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a 1911 fanatic. If you could have a drink with one person living or dead, who would it be? Tom Hanks. Favorite caliber? Ooh, 45. Have to say. 45. Favorite hobby, not gun related? Um, I would say probably f- still following Formula One and, and racing. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh my gosh. To be able to hear people's thoughts. All hell breaks loose. Is it better to be armed or trained? Both. Is it better to be loved or feared? Both. Got to pick one. Loved. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Pistol. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your spouse? Ooh. I'm going to say my very best friend, AJ Zito. Let's mix it up. Tony, you're still the reigning champ. Tony's the champ. Tony's the champ. <laughs> I let I, and I even let you get away with the the one both. I, yeah, I normally yeah, don't yeah. do it, but I let you get away with one. So, <laughs> on this episode of Let's Mix It Up, we discuss targeted practice and how it can improve your shooting in less time with less ammo. But before we get to that, Let's Mix It Up is brought to you by Onsite Firearms Training. They have an extensive course offering and teach classes across the country. You're guaranteed to find a course to meet your needs. So check them out and get trained by the same outfit that trains the gun experiment. So with that out of the way, let's talk about targeted practice. So targeted practice, can you explain to us what targeted practice is in your mind? What I believe targeted practice is so I, I believe targeted practice is about an isolation of a particular of a particular skill or concept to work on like fully, uh, you know, kind of fully enveloped in that one particular aspect. Okay. So, so how do we go about doing this? How do we implement this in our training to get us to get our levels up, whether it be sports shooting or other types of shooting? Well, first of all, you've got to be able to, to identify what in your training needs to be improved upon, right? So and what happens a lot of times is when somebody goes to the range, right? Or let's just take a range session and you go to the range with your gun and let's say 250 rounds of ammo, right? And so you get to go to the range maybe once a week. And with that 250 rounds of that once a week, you think you, you're going to work on everything, so you work a little bit on like draw to first shot. You work on like shot to shot reloads. You work on maybe some bill drills. You'll work on uh, maybe a turning draw if you can do that. Maybe you'll work on some some target transitions. Um, and then the thing is, is like 250 rounds doesn't spread out very far amongst seven, eight, nine different drills. It's true. Yeah. I, I think what typically happens is people, they overwhelm themselves in their training trying to hit a little bit of everything. 
And then unfortunately, it's not really even training. It becomes more of just a, a validation of a skill that they already possess, right? It's a good point. So what, what targeted training is, is being able to, to like, okay, I'm going to like, it's regimenting your practice the same way like you would regiment your like exercise routine if you went to the gym, right? And so I, I, I compare this a lot this way. So you sign up for a gym membership. It's January 1, right? You had New Year's resolutions. I'm going to get in shape. And the very first time you've ever stepped foot in gym, you, you see all of this equipment and you say, oh my God, there's so much here. What am I going to work on first? And you decide, you, well, well, I'm going to do a little bit of this and I'm going to do a little bit of that. And I'm going to do a little bit more of this over here. And ooh, that machine looks kind of neat. I guess I'll figure out how to work on that too. And next thing you know, you're in the you're in the gym for an hour, hour and a half, and you leave. You're kind of hot, kind of sweaty. You get in your car and you go home, and you're like, I really don't know that I really worked on any one thing in particular. So a month goes by of doing that day in and day out, and you realize you're just not making the gains you want to make, and that's because you don't have a regimented or targeted. Um, you know, like process to work on one individual, like muscle group yeah. and shooting is the same way. Yeah. I have to say like, when we talk about the less ammo part, you know, the sort of anti-gun crowd or maybe the not so interested in gun crowd, they think like, why would anybody ever need to buy a thousand rounds of ammunition? You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you could blow through a thousand rounds of ammunition if you were not doing targeted practice pretty freaking fast right I, so i could go through a thousand rounds of 12 gauge shotgun probably in a weekend yeah really easily did. easily right i mean you could do it in a day if you're really well shotgun kicks a little bit but yeah yeah, yeah for sure i mean I, I think your point is and i'm starting to get here keith you mentioned it sort of you, you wrote me a note here yeah uh we we talked we talked a little bit about this with steve fisher you know it's you know going going to the range with a box of ammo and all 50 of those rounds as slow as you possibly can make sure you are controlling the trigger, make sure right. your recoil management, make sure, you know, just, just concentrate at 15 yards or 25 yards. Every one of those 50 rounds is marked with a purpose, so yep. to speak. Right? right. And that's, and that's exactly where your practice should be, whether it's 50 rounds, whether it's a hundred rounds, whether it's 300 rounds. Right. Yep. So um, a, a heavy day at the range for me used to be, 800 to a thousand rounds. Yeah. A heavy range now is in that neighborhood of about 200 to 300 rounds of ammo, which and is reasonable. 200 to 300 rounds. I will work on three, like kind of three related, uh, skills that are all related to kind of the same, the same aspect of my shooting. So like if I'm working on, let's say movement, Right. So I'm working on like moving from one position to the next position. Yep. Um, I'll also work on like, so I'll work on like position entry, um, which doesn't have to be round heavy. Right. I, uh, like if I'm shooting one round at a time from one target to another, I, in a hundred rounds, I can do 50 reps. Right. If you're working 50 reps and moving five to seven yards in between, you know, positions, you're not only are you going to get your steps in for the day, I mean, you're going to get a lot of work done in a hundred rounds of ammunition. Is there any place, right? is there any place that, that our listeners or, or Mike and I can go to that kind of gives like a, an overview of these targeted practice um, sets? You know, I, I'm, it almost, to me, it almost describes like a, a workout routine, right? Like a sure. uh, leg day or, or, <laughs> you know, yeah. so is there a place where we can go to kind of see some of these things listed out in different, Absolutely. you can go to my YouTube channel and okay. my YouTube channel, I've got all sorts of different breakdowns of different skills and then different exercises, and things to work on those particular skills. Right. So, I mean, you, like I said, if I was working on movement, I would work on like position entries and exits. There's a hundred rounds worth of practice right there. If I, if it's an, if it's a really in-depth, like I'm, I'm in this for, you know, two or three hours, the next hundred rounds I'm going to work on, I work on like shooting on the move and shooting on the move might be one round per target and work on no more than about two to three targets at a time. Right. And so that targeted exercise or that targeted practice is going to be a hundred rounds worth of just working on shooting on the move or shooting while moving all the time. And so in a 200 round practice session, I have, I have been able to really rep out and learn from what it is that I'm, I'm working on. So I think I'm slightly better at this than you, Keith, but I'm not good enough. And what I'm going with this is when I do other things, 
Um, so when I work out is a really good example, but I don't do this enough in jujitsu yep. and I don't do this enough in shooting for sure is sort of going in with a game plan. Um, so literally writing out I a game you plan. I thought you were going to bring this up. You at least bring the notebook yes. and the pen. And there are sometimes even some words in yours. Yeah. The only words in my notebook are what Ben said. <laughs> it's almost like if you practice, you will get better. Yeah, yeah. But right. I think like part of this is before you get to the range. You have to have You have to like write it out. Like yeah. almost like if you and I were going to go, it's like, yeah. let's write this. Let's sit down. Let's brainstorm. The same we do for the show. Right. Yeah, let's exactly. brainstorm our, well, how we're going to do this. One of the things you got to think about too, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, 50 rounds, depending on what it is you're going to be working on, 50 rounds may, or it may not be enough yeah. to actually start learning how to myelinate a new, like a new process. Into yeah. Your, you, you, into 50 your rounds, you might just have to work on something you know you're proficient at just to keep it, right. the, the but skill then, kind but of. And then again, that's not practice. What that is, is validation. Yeah. Right. What practice or training is, is like learning from observed failure and like, and like I said, and then like repeating that process until it's no longer a failure. Right. Yes. One of the things Fisher talked about was having a standard. Yeah. Right. And then you, you work on that standard to see whether you've gotten better or, you know, or worse or you've, you sure. know, and that's one of the important parts, the important aspects of keeping a practice log. <laughs> it's like you would keep Thanks, a practice Tim. log. Thanks for rubbing it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not good at it. I, the the beauty of it, the beauty of it is when you do it, you really start to manage that ammo and you really start to make sure that like, like you said, oh, every totally one of those see the value of it. I think everyone should do it. I can't promise that I'm going to do it. I'm gonna, I want, I'm gonna, I want to do it. I'm going to force you. Know. I'm going to force you to do it. <laughs> I have, I carry the notebook and the pen at least. I mean, I feel well, like, that's and, the, and the problem is guys like that. That's, that's one of the things too. I'm going to go to the range today with a hundred rounds of ammo and I'm going to work on this, make it something that you don't typically work on. Yeah, if right. you're just going to the range and you're like, man, I'm really good at like, um, like the super test, you know, 10, 10, 10, 10 rounds, you know, in 10 seconds at, at, at 10 yards, you know, like on a B8 or something, you know, something crazy like that. If you're constantly going to the range just to validate a skill you already possess, you are not going to improve. Well, period. maybe I'll do, period. I, I'll tell you what, I get this Nighthawk in my hands. I'll start writing log in my range sessions. Maybe I, do I have to make okay. a little log for you? Like a, no, I'll no, make I, gotta, a... <laughs> I got it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this Nighthawk and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna log some. Stuff. All right, all right. So with that said, you know, Tim, <laughs> I, I want to thank you for coming on the show and and talking about your journey. It's very very interesting. Uh, the title of Grandmaster doesn't come easy, and it was an honor to have someone of your pedigree on the show. So uh, thank you so much. And I also want to thank you for sharing your thoughts on targeted practice, which will hopefully yeah. make us better shooters. And we'll start awesome. writing shit down. Exactly. Well, I appreciate it. Yes, yeah. definitely. To everyone listening, we want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to tune into our show. You can find links in the show notes to all of our social media. So be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Discord so we can keep the conversation going. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. <laughs>